Raylan Casper White here with another delightful episode of X-Ray. It is very good to be back. As some of you know, I've been on a, what one would call a hiatus, uh, kind of dealing with a lot of pandemic stress. Uh, I've been going to get tested on a weekly basis. I somehow find that nose swab stimulating. I don't know if they found a new erogenous zone way up here, but I'm finding that nose swab kind of exciting. So I've been going to get tested a lot. I am excited to be here with this very, 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 very handsome fellow, now, by looking at him, you think actor, right? Well, you are right. This is Spencer Garrett. How, now, where are you at the moment? Uh, hi, Ray Lynn. It's delightful to you. be with you. It's an honor as well, because I've, I've, I've been a, a, a longtime listener, a, a big Thank fan you. for a long time. I'm actually in Los Angeles. I just arrived from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and uh, I'm back <laughs> home to stay for a little while. So uh, things are great back there. It's all going really well. It's going uh, swimmingly. Do you get invited? I know your partner uh, in crime is a correspondent for CNN. Correct. Uh, which I know that CNN and Trump don't have a very festive relationship. But Not she so gets to cover all that stuff. Do they get to go to the RNC? Did she get invited to the lawn? She actually did get invited to the lawn last night, but opted to not be on the lawn uh, and opted to be uh, in the comfort and safety of her studio. <laughs> Uh, because there were about 2,000 maskless people smushed together like so many sardines oh. on the White House lawn. So, uh, yeah, she was covering it last night. And, um, you know, she gets invited to all that stuff, and depending on where they assign her, uh, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah, last night she was just covering it from the studio. With I hear you. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it must be hard. I don't know. Again, she's not here. But journalists that have any sem it must be hard to not hide your disdain and still remain objective because we don't all want to be Sean Hannity, which I guess you played. You played Sean Hannity. I did. What a great segue. What a smooth <laughs> illusion. Uh, yes, I did play Sean Hannity uh, in last year's uh, Bombshell Academy Award nominated uh, film Bombshell. It was a really good movie. I got to tell Aaron, you. Aaron, uh, transformative experience. Uh, with her. She was incredible. Jay Roach, beautiful direction. And I had a couple of little scenes as uh, the great Sean Hannity, the great American. Who were, you, um, who were you up against when you auditioned for that role? Or did they offer it to you? You know what? They offered it to me. I was, I happy, I'm, I was happy to say I'm I, uh, Jay. I've worked with about three times so far. So it was just a phone call. It's a, you know, it's a phone call you always want to get from somebody that you worked with before that you absolutely of course, and, of uh, course. And he's a, you know, he's a, uh, he's a major up-and-coming talent, that Jay Roach. I is think. he? Uh, how old is he now? He's going to do very well. I think he's like 50, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. 50-something. Okay. I don't know. Hard to tell. He's, uh, he's sort of a, a, a youthful, hippie-looking guy. Got he's it. Kind of guy who probably grew up in California, probably. He grew up in actually New Mexico, I think, like okay. Santa Fe or Albuquerque. All right, well, something like that. Uh -huh. He didn't grow up in, in he's Brooklyn. A little, he's a, uh, he's a, an amazing guy. He's a little crunchy, you know, crunchy sort of. Uh, crunchy uh, like Boulder, Colorado, crunchy, like likes no, no, to hike yeah, a lot. Crunchy like crunchy like uh, New Mexico, crunchy. Okay, uh, that Santa Fe crunch, as you're Santa saying. Santa Fe crunch. Yeah. The Santa Fe crunch. My new cereal. Uh, yeah. Only two grams of added sugars. Um, you've had you've had quite the career. I got to tell you, when you tackle a role like Sean Hannity. How do you, what was your process in, I mean, how deep did you have to go and be like, let me inhabit and really believe what I'm saying? Or do you just kind of, you had, you could even phone it in and it will work out great. It's more about the, the, the mannerisms, you know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't like it was I a mean, biopic. Yeah, I don't want to phone anything in. I right. did watch way 
way more Fox television yeah. than I ever thought I could stomach. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, clips of Sean Hannity on YouTube. I wanted to get the voice and the cadence and the mannerisms and stuff. A lot of which, you know, I mean, we, we shot, I shot the, on the film for probably a week and a half and we did an entire segment of me doing the Hannity show uh, of them filming me, you know, on the set. Uh, a lot of which just got snipped out, but uh, there was a whole sequence of uh, of me, um, you know, as Sean Hannity doing the show. So I tried to I tried to get him as as much as I possibly could, um, you know, and and throw in my own little spicy inflections whenever I could. But I mean, basically, there wasn't there wasn't a hell of a lot I could veer from. I wanted to I wanted to do as as close an approximation of him as I can. I mean, he's. You know, he's a cartoon character. I'm sorry, Sean, but, you know, he's... Uh, so I didn't have to do a lot. I mean, they did a lot with the hair, that stupid little part in the middle of, of the hair, and, uh, you know, added a little bit of jowl to me. And, uh, you know, and then I got the voice, and he, t- he sort of talks like this. It's, uh, you know, it's like, hey, why, why do you hate America? Why do you... you know, oh, well, I got Mr. President on the line. Yeah, it's an honor to talk to you, Mr. President. You know, so I was like just living in that, uh, that vacuous, hollow, uh, you know, recidivist state of mind for such a long time. I um, sometimes I'm happy have- to, Happy to escape it. I have wet dreams about playing Tucker Carlson. Oh my um, God. You I know, I really have fa- little fantasies about that. Um, yeah, he's a special you, man. If you could define, cause I know that unless you're like a real character actor, actors do get typecast or there's something they go in for a lot, right? There's some, but certain people exude authority and they'll end up going for, for that or, you know, the, 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 the police, whatever, the detective or the, yeah. the doctor. And then other people go in for the quirky, eccentric neighbor or the annoying, the, the fright. What, how would you categorize your type over the years that's been the majority of your role playing? For, for a long time, for the first probably 20 years of my career, I was sort of typed as the the go-to prick in a suit you know if you need if you need a prick in a suit if you need a smarmy callow yuppie douchey lawyer type uh i would get the call and uh you know i did a lot of those guys for a long time and i got a, it got a little repetitive after a while you know because you 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 you're sort of wondering you know how much you could bring to the party when a lot of these guys are sort of written the same way uh, you know, the smug, you know, assholic uh, district attorney. Um, but, you know, listen, work is work. And I, I, did, I did my share of them, uh, you know, senators and congressmen and lawyers and all of that. And uh, I, I, I wasn't complaining, but after a certain point, I just thought, gosh, I hope somebody can see me. I hope a casting person can see me in a different light because I can certainly do a hell of a lot more than this. But that was about 75% of the roles I was getting for a long time until I did a movie called Public Enemies for Michael Mann. And I played this sort of Chicago 1930s gangster type. Uh, and it kind of, it, it allowed casting people to sort of see me in a different uh, perspective, I guess. And a lot, of, a lot more opportunities for different kinds of roles opened up after that in 2007. I mean, you've, you play, you've worked with some heavy hitters. I mean, it's kind of astounding. Michael Mann. I don't know what he's done l- lately. I mean, I loved Heat. I love that movie. He's got- The last thing a- we did together was a movie called Black Hat, uh, which I think was, we did Public Enemies, we did Black Hat. I did a short-lived series for him called Luck, 
that he co he co-wrote and co-created with David Milch oh, wow. from NYPD Blue, and it was with Dustin Hoffman and the late great Dennis Farina, Nick Nolte, Joan Allen. Uh, it was an amazing cast. It was about horse racing, and uh, for his HBO for horse, you know, but we unfortunately we had to shut it down. Uh, HBO shut us down uh, because a couple of horses died. Oh uh, wow, that's sad. At Santa Anita Park, and uh, and and it was uh, uh, very unfortunate. We got to, we got they they pulled the plug on us. So um, what was your most? Um, what you seem like obviously a confident guy, and this is not your first rodeo. So I'm assuming when you go in now, you're kind of really not intimidated by anything. You come in, do the work. What was the role that um, that actually daunted you? Like, what was the first, not first role, but the role that most daunted you where you're like, because I guess after so many years of kind of playing the same characters that didn't demand too much emotional vulnerability and you could just do them with ease, which is what most actors do most of the time. I mean, I don't think yeah. anyone's right, you know, like try, unless you're a superstar, you're not really going to get cast as something that's going to be super challenging because it's a risk for everybody involved. Yeah. Like, but you know, what was it? Was it a theater role or was it still on film or TV that you're like, can I do this? And it really demanded that you tap into something. I think it probably was, it was probably Public Enemies. It was probably the, the character of Tommy Carroll in Public Enemies. Um, because when I, when I went in to read for the character, I was, I was pretty terrified. I'd been around for a long time before that and I'd done a lot of stuff. And I said to the casting director, Bonnie Timmerman, who's a sort of a legendary casting director, and I pulled her aside and I said, I said, I really want to be in this movie. I really want to work for Mr. Mann. Can you bring me back and, and can I read for the FBI agent or the, you know, the lawyer? Things that I was really more comfortable with. I wasn't really ready to get outside my comfort zone. And she said, you know, I've been watching you for a long, long time. And I know that you're capable of, of doing a lot more than the kinds of roles you've been doing. I want you to, I want to see you break out. And the character was sort of a, uh, I mean, there was a, a very, very emotional scene that he has after he's been shot. And I was, uh, there were, I had to go to places that I hadn't had the opportunity to go to uh, before that. And, uh, and that was a sort of a turning point for me. I'd say probably that, that was 2007 and a couple of years before that, I had done a production of the play, The Real Thing. Uh, which is my favorite play, my favorite Tom Stoppard play, and it's probably probably in my top five of all time. I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with it. I do like. I've heard of Tom Stoppard, but I don't know the play. Oh, it's a great, great. It's a great, great play. Extraordinary play, and it's about actors. And I played a, a, an actor who was sort of cuckolded by his actress wife, and and he finds out that she's been cheating on him, and he has an emotional breakdown scene in the middle of the play. Uh, he finds out that she's been having an affair. And I had to break down into a puddle of racking sobs and tears, you know, seven days a week. And it was around that time in my life that I, I, I not to sound actory and, you know, talking about too the late. It's too late. It's too late, I guess. Yeah. But that, that I think when I got that role and I was able to kind of go to a, a different, deeper place in my work, uh, that's when, that was around the time when things started to kind of, pop open for me and 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 I was starting to get other roles but film film wise it was public enemies for sure it was physically demanding it was emotionally demanding the hours were long Michael is a very very tough customer to work for he's amazing so? I, I he's just uh he just demands a lot of his actors he I mean we put in some uh you know 21 22 hour days 
not not exaggerating. I mean, we were in Chicago in the winter, uh, a lot of action scenes and a lot of really long, long hours. I mean, he's known he's a taskmaster. He's not a he's not a subtle, a gentle actor's director. I mean, I worked for I worked for Mike Nichols, who's the 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 opposite end of the spectrum who will take hours to just to make the actors happy right 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 yeah i mean he's an actor's director michael is more of a uh he's it's more of a director's medium for him you know and it's about the the final product it's not about coddling anyone's process yeah i mean not to i mean heat is a is a masterpiece um you know but i remember going up to him in the makeup trailer when i got the gig and i had i'd met him for the first time because i had auditioned on tape and I never met him. I didn't meet him until we were in Chicago and he came into the makeup trailer. And I said, hey, Michael, I said, I'd, I'd really love to spend a few minutes with you at some point. I'd love to pull you aside and talk about my character. And he just sort of looked at me and smiled and he said, you want to talk about your character? He's got this thick <laughs> Chicago accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, you want to talk about your character? And I said, yeah, I'd love it. I said, if you have five minutes. And he looked at his watch and he said, OK, Spencer, go. Oh, God. And I went, no, no, I mean, like, I, I'd love to, I'd love to, like, uh, you know, just in your office or so. He said, Spencer, he said, do me a favor. He said, my time is short. He said, I hired you to come here to Chicago and be the guy. Do me a favor. Just be the guy. <laughs> I love it. I Show love up it. tomorrow on the set. Be the guy. So, I mean, he hires the actors that he wants and he lets them. Well, I love that. Thing. I mean, what, what's his name? Uh, Clint Eastwood, right? He does like one, one take. You know, then you have, then he has supreme confidence in the actor and himself, I guess. I mean, it's like literally yeah. if you get it in one take, he doesn't even do a safety. Like, what is that? That's crazy. He does one, he does one or two takes. He doesn't even say actions. He, he says, okay, everybody go. <laughs> and, and sometimes he will shoot. Uh, you'll, you'll do a rehearsal of the scene. I did a, I did a picture a long time ago called the stars fell on Henrietta. Okay. With, uh, that sounds with- vague. Uh, it's a, it was a lovely film, yeah, a lovely okay. film, lovely film that about 12 people saw people with Robert saw, Duvall. Right. And I was not one of them, unfortunately. Robert okay. Duvall and Aidan Quinn and Billy oh, Bob, wow. Francis okay. Fisher, Brian Dennehy. And, and uh, he didn't direct the film, uh, but it, he came to the set and one day he, and he directed a scene. And he directed a scene in the movie? Said, he directed a scene in the movie, uh, James Keach. Okay. Uh, James Keach was the director, brother of Stacy Keach. Ah, okay. Wonderful actor, producer, James Keach. And, uh, and Clint was at the time married to Frances Fisher, the actress. Okay. So he, he showed up in Austin, <laughs> Texas on the set and James, you know, James had him direct a scene. And I'd never was, heard of this. I'd never heard of bringing a director in on a film to direct one. Well, he wasn't movie. really brought, I mean, he, he produced, he was producing the film. Okay. Was, All right. It I guess was it was an production. homage or respect or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was Clint's production. Clint, Clint okay. was, it was, okay. it was Mal Paso. It, it was his company. And James said, okay. you know, you want to, you want to help, you want to helm this one. And so he got behind the camera and, uh, and it, this wasn't the scene that I was in, but apparently it was a scene with Billy Bob Thornton and some other actors and they were, rehearsing the scene and sorry so he came in to direct a scene so he came in to direct the scene and, and they rehearsed it and then when they were done rehearsing he said okay that's good see everybody later and everybody looked around and like what was that and he he recorded he shot the rehearsal he shot the rehearsal as a take and that's the take they used you know what i mean look he made he didn't see he movies. didn't tell anybody he didn't yeah. tell anybody he was rolling 
Yeah. Wow. Which I, I love. Wonder. Yeah. I mean, I want his movies are all, you know, obviously very good. The, the writing, he's definitely got a style. I wonder, um, could he have gotten better performances if, if people had time to, to, to drop in and warm up? I mean, who knows? It doesn't really matter, does it? Um, yeah. I mean, he's 90 now. I mean, yeah. he's, I think he's, he's going to direct, uh, he's got another film. He's it's gonna insane. direct another. Well, film. you know why? When you do one take, you can get a lot more film squeezed in. You know, it's not oh, as exhausting. Yeah. It just doesn't sound as exhausting. It's like you're doing one take, you, you shoot the whole movie in half the time, and then you move on to the next movie. Sounds like he's not as precious. Well, he likes about to it. be done. I guess he likes to be done. He likes to be done mid-afternoon so he can go play golf. <laughs> play golf or take a nap. Or take a nap. Or go to the bathroom. When you get up there, you're probably <laughs> you know these bathroom breaks every nine minutes or get some sort of catheter going. Um, <laughs> Any other directors, uh, the, the biggies that you've that you've worked with? Any? Uh... Uh, let's see, Mike Nichols, Michael, Ma all the Michaels, Michael, all the Michaels, Michael, okay, Michael, uh, Michael Bay. Uh, he was a delight. <laughs> that's. Uh, Are you being facetious? That was a, a Transformers movie. That was okay. a big, big crazy action movie. Um, yeah. I mean, a he's a yeller. Screen. He's a yeller. A lot of green screen. A lot of yelling. Um, yeah, I can see that. But I mean, that was in one year, I think in the span of about a year, year and a half, I worked with Mike Nichols, Michael Mann and Michael Bay. Wow. You couldn't, you couldn't get three more disparate. No. no, but good for you, Spencer. I mean, how blessed. Yeah. Did you ever get to a point, A, did you, have a, did you ever have like a long dry spell with nothing? And did you freak out? And B, did you come to a point in your life where you're like, I'm kind of done, like I've, I get it, I've done it. You know, I'm tired of acting, like with all due respect, I'd rather spend my time on other things. I've had lots of dry spells. Uh, you know, I, I think we're all kind of in one right now. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't worked since last March, which I, I mean, obviously nobody has. Yeah. In a business, it's just starting to creep back to life a little bit. But um, yeah, there was a period in about, probably about around 2000, where I was sort of in a in a lull. I wasn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't clicking along as as fast as I wanted it to, and I was sort of like. Oh shit! Maybe this is it. Maybe this was my run, and I was, uh, you know, I had just kind of hit late late thirties. Probably I just hit forty in about two thousand, and I thought, okay, maybe that's maybe that's it. Because I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be. Um, I mean, not long after that, oddly enough, we went into the writer's strike in about two thousand, <laughs> just two thousand five, two thousand six, and I went back to, um, I went back to uh, working in a restaurant. I worked back. I work at a. Uh, I worked at a restaurant in Beverly Hills as a maitre d for about six months. What was um, that restaurant? And that was. It was called Nick's. It was a Nick's Martini Lounge. Oh wow! It and, sounds very old and school I worked, Hollywood. And I, it was very old school Hollywood, but it was funny because when I first moved to L.A. Uh, in '98, I worked at a restaurant in Silver Lake before Silver Lake became Silver Lake. Right. And I worked at a place called L.A. Nicola, and the guy that owned the place, Larry Nicola, was loved actors. Was very, you know, he knew he knew what we, you know, had right. to go through. I had just moved to L.A., and you know, and I was always, you know, getting shifts covered and running off to get auditions and that's nice. Showing that's up nice to have a stuff. supportive system and, like that. No, it was great. So I was there. I was there for about a year and a half. I worked there at the restaurant, and uh, and then. 20 years later, during the writer's strike, I walked into his new restaurant in Beverly Hills and I walked in, I hadn't seen him in ages, and I walked in and he said, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. I see you on TV every time I turn on the TV and you're in movies and blah, blah. And I said, that's great, Larry. I said, he said, what are you doing here? He said, I need, I said, I need a job. I need a job, right on. I need a job. And he said, when can you start? 
And I said, how about tonight? He said, great. I just, I just fired my maitre d', run home, put on a suit, come back tonight. And so I worked there for about six months. And then I got public enemies uh, when I was doing that. You know what? That. I got to tell you, I love that because, yeah. I, you know, it's just a, it's a commitment to the craft that you just do what, what you have to do. You know, I met, I had this, this couple of actors. I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but they always inspired me. They were a couple in their 60s. Yeah. They had been together forever. And they still worked in catering sometimes. And I was like, this is horrifying. Like, how could they ever like, you know, don't, why do you just give up at some point? If you're not working, you got to go back to catering. And they're like, no, we love to do what we do. You know, they're not well-known actors. They're working actors, but it comes and goes. And they got back into catering. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. That's amazing. Because yeah. remember when they made fun of that guy from the Cosby show? Cause they found him working yeah. at Trader Joe's. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you. Like, this is what you gotta, you gotta do. do what you gotta do. Well, I mean, I got a lot of that shit too. I mean, when I was working in the restaurant, Casting people, producers, directors yeah. that I'd worked with, people that I'd known, would walk into the restaurant and and they would do a double take. They would see me on their way in, and right. they'd say, you know, I mean, I remember Les Moonves, you know, would, yes, good old Les, good old Les. He walked in and he said, Spencer Garrett. He said, What are you doing here? And I said, I'm paying my fucking bills, man. Good for you. You know, and yeah. what an uh, annoying thing to say too. It's like, what do you think I'm doing here? Yeah, but you know, in, you know, you're looking back, you see, you know, now we know who he really was. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we, a lot of people, we don't know who they really are. Did you, but I tell my acting students, I tell the, I tell the kids that I teach, uh, that story. Um, yeah. because, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had a, I've had a good, I've been lucky. I've had a good career. I've been, you know, been around yeah. a long time and I've sustained and, and, you know, kept, chugging along and then you know i've had it there, there are lulls there are peaks in the valleys but of i mean course. i was starting to tell you earlier around 2000 i was thinking about uh uh packing it in and going uh going to teach yeah uh i got offered a teaching gig at duke university where i went to college did you need a mfa to do that or no i would have been like a non-tenured professor oh, okay I, cool i could have i could have done I could have worked there like with a bachelor's degree. Oh, right I would on. have eventually got my master's degree, but you know, I would have been a non-tenured uh, yeah. uh, you know, teacher in the drama department. And I thought about moving back to Durham and you know, buying a little house and working it. It sounds lovely. Yeah. It, it, it sounds lovely. It would have been great. It's still, you know, it, listen, I might still might do it. Who knows? You might still do it. I mean, look, yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think we do get to a point, I don't know, especially now with this rep repetitive, you know, repetitive nature. Um, of of like yeah like this is we have one life and and what do you want to do with it you know and after a while there's only so many things one career can stretch you at you know again if you still get joy from it and there's nothing else pulling then i'm all for it have you um i know you're in a relationship now but was there a period where you were like the hot guy in hollywood and you were sleeping around and you were like the ladies man because i know that there's a culture of that too and you're a good looking guy and everybody, you know what I mean? Did you have that or were you always like I've a monogamous? Never, I've never been, uh, I was never the hot guy in Hollywood. I was never like the guy, you know, that had heat on him kind of well, thing. Well, I don't mean that. I just mean you're an attractive man. You meet a lot of people in the in the theater world. Were you like, were you a relationship guy or were you like, I'm a single bachelor guy? I'm a, I, was a re, I was a relationship guy. They weren't okay. always successful relationships, but I like being in relationships. I mean, I've been in this one now for seven years. Amazing. Um, you know, most of my relationships have been four, five, six years, okay. you know. Uh, and were no, they with actresses the, for the most part? And this is the first one that's not, or? Uh, this is the first person that's in a long time that w that was not in my in my industry. Okay. Um, and I had sort of, I'd kind of hung it up for a while. I wasn't looking to be in a relationship when, you know, when I yeah. met 
my current partner, and uh, and we met, and you know, and I kind of I think I was sort of turned on by the fact that she was a grown up and she had her own job and her own life and owned a house, and um, you know, so I hadn't I hadn't been in those kinds of relationships before, right? Uh, you know, there's there was a I, there was some stability that I had lacked that I didn't know. I guess I didn't know that I needed, you know, that I had lacked. And so when uh, when she well, and you I were met, around 50 when you met her then. Yeah. Around exactly. That? Right. Okay. Right around my 50th birthday. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. There's hope for me yet. I got <laughs> time till I hit 50. But God damn it. L.A. is a is a wasteland. It's um, a wasteland. I'm going to be 57 in a few weeks. And, you know, you. it's like, where did the time go? Yeah. yeah, well, it does go. But look, I have to tell you, you really have an, an illustrious career and are very lucky to work with people that are no longer with us, too. I mean, that's also Mike yeah. Nichols, Jesus. You know, it's it, that stuff doesn't go away. That stays with you. For the most part, when you do TV, you end up just working with a director for two days, right? I mean, it's not. And TV directors are just kind of choreographers. They're not they don't have a distinct vision. So you've right. had that film career that that's been so, you know, captivating. If you um. If you really wanted a role that you're like, this is a role I want to play before I die. I don't mean like I want to play King Lear, but the kind of role or the kind of part, what would it be? You know, I've played so many congressmen and senators and uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I, honest to God, it sounds it sounds sort of cliche, but I would love to I would love to play the president uh, okay. in, you know, in something, you know, in I mean, like a Tony uh, Goldwyn with like, and it, yeah, you know. yeah, that's, I mean, I, and I thought he was wonderful in that role. He was great. You know? He's great. Yeah, is I, he related be, to the Goldwyn, like the studio, Metro Goldwyn? Yeah, Mayer? he is. Oh, sure. He's the great, he's the great grandson of. So Samuel he had Goldwyn. some connections coming in. Yeah, but he's also, he's also done his own thing. No, no, of uh, course. I always feel on like, his yes, own, but there's on his also. Own merits. But no, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's part of that Goldwyn family. Yeah. But oh, I'd wow. love to, I'd love to play the president. I got cast as a president years ago in Iron Man three, uh, which was a, it was a, a really wonderful role, a great big meaty role, and at the eleventh hour they they pulled the plug on it. Oh. Uh, the, the suits at Marvel thought that I was I had too much of a baby face that I was too young looking to play the president, which I guess at the time it was it was about eight years ago. Well, now when I, they were looking at people in their eighties running, you know what I mean? Like I guess yeah. they're not those days of Barack running or you know this stage yeah. is pretty ancient yeah yeah um wait till you but, see uh i just did this this uh, uh mini series for yes. uh, billy ray who's a great oh, great wow. writer director uh i know him as a writer does he direct too he directed a couple of wonderful movies he did a movie called shattered glass yes about, i love that movie i'd love it with, yeah. with what's his name christensen hey, with hayden it. christensen yes. about the kid who plagiarized stories for the new republic i love that it was and great and uh, another great movie called breach with uh, laura linney and ryan Phillippe about a guy that worked at the fbi and sold secrets to the russians a true oh, story i should watch yeah. that uh, maybe i'll chris stream cooper. that tonight okay chris cooper it's a fantastic film oh but he great. wrote he wrote uh, captain phillips and okay uh, yeah no i know him as a writer he's got that name yeah. but i didn't know that this he was called also uh, the comey rule and it's about Jim Comey and wow. Hillary Clinton. And uh, wow. so uh, Jeff Daniels plays Jim Comey and uh, the great Brendan Gleeson plays Trump. Yes. Okay. Uh, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's about the events that led up to right before the election. I love the it. Election. Casting a Scottish actor as fucking Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, what are you God. gonna do? He's brilliant too. He's Michael great, Kelly, I mean, it's a great actor. Michael I don't know Kelly, how I feel. Hunter, great cast. I don't know how I feel. I know I shouldn't feel this way. 
and I know some people, but I always, I, I know British actors, they're, 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 people have this conception of them being better actors or better trained and they're all the theater and they can do the Shakespeare and, but it still stings me every time the epitome of an American character is played by a British actor. I know that these guys are names, you know, I get that. But even people that aren't household names, like when they did that movie Loving, which was two Southern characters and one guy was Aussie and she was Ruth Negos. And I was like, okay, you know what? Is it because- I, I, I tend to agree with you. I agree. I mean- Is I, it the producers that drink the British Kool-Aid too? Is that what that is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I remember uh, when they were casting uh, 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 Nixon, yeah. uh, when, when uh, Oliver Stone was casting Nixon, and there were a lot of conversations about Tom Hanks was going to play Nixon and Liam Neeson and uh, a bunch of different choices. And and Tom Hanks would have been, I think, wonderful because I think he could kind of do anything at this point. He might have been a little young, at, you know, He's back then. He's also not but, smarmy enough. I don't know. I don't think people buy yeah, him Yeah, but he can go, he can go he dark. Can go? But, okay, fair you enough. Know, but they cast, they cast Anthony Hopkins, who, <laughs> who's extraordinary. But I just thought... Uh, you know, and even Daniel Day Lewis as Lincoln, who's a, a brilliant, brilliant right. actor. But right. for me, I, I'm I'm on I'm with you. I just think it's like, you know, you telling such an American story, such an iconic American character, you know, find a good there are a lot of good fucking American actors out there. You know, get yeah. an American actor to play an American story. And I'm not being like jingoistic. No, I'm with but, you. I mean, I think I, I confuse myself with the debate because it's like as writers, you would never get a a, a Caucasian uh, English writer uh, writing the story about a black woman marrying a white, right? So as writers, the standard is like, there's no way you can you know, write that. You need to get the, you know, especially if it's about race or it's about yeah. identity. I'm not going to write a show that takes place in, in Brooklyn in the 20s. You know what I mean? But, but, uh, but as actors, I guess the conception, which I also agree with, but I disagree with actors should be able to play anything, right? I mean, right. actors, like, you know, you get, you do the research, but isn't it better if you cast someone who grew up in the South, you know what I mean, who's African-American, wouldn't we try there first and then yeah. go down the line and say, we couldn't find that. Let's find an African-American woman from, you know, if it's not from Louisiana, yeah. let's find her from Florida. If we can't, you know, but again, maybe that's contradictory to what an actor means. But part of me is like, come on, a little more authenticity. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on both sides of that because I also think, yeah, I mean, being an actor means you should be able to do everything and anything but there are certain stories that that need to be told. I think that require, uh, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see Tom Hanks play, uh, you know, play uh, Prince Philip in The Crown. And I don't think the Brits would do that. That's also I think that's also the thing. It's it, the equilibrium is skewed. I yes. think you have one actress who's Gillian Anderson who plays who's successful in English television. That's it. If they would never cast American actors because they still think there's like this elevated, we're better, you know what I mean? I think that still yeah. exists. They would yeah. never do that. So it's, it's frustrating when we're like, oh, here you are. Let's cast any, you know what I mean? As, and it, it does take work away, I hate to say it, you know, from American actors. So yeah. they're great actors, but still, I just watched uh, Yellowstone with, with, with- I Kevin haven't Costner. seen it yet, but I heard it's, yeah. It's okay. I mean, whatever. It's, I like Kevin Costner, but he's just one note in this and he's just curmudgeonly and there's no charm. There's nothing there. It's like you compare it to Brian Cox, you know, this kind of, you know, patriarch. There's just nothing. I think the writing too, but there's a hot guy in there. So I enjoy watching him, this guy, Luke Grimes, but then Kelly Riley, English actress, like, or maybe Irish. I know she's redhead. Irish, really yeah. over the top. I've seen her in other stuff and she's good, but in this, she's just like, her eyes are half closed like she's being fucked you know, every, every scene. Like, I'm, I'm being penetrated while I'm saying my lines. It's like this thing, right? 
But I'm like, really? And you know, and, and, and I don't care if your accent's good, it's a little off. And what, what is that? Couldn't you find an actress that, you know, it takes place in fucking Montana. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I get on, I get passionate about that. I, I, I you know, yeah. you're with all me. The, all the casting directors that are listening to this are, are gonna, they're gonna break our balls, you know, they're gonna come, come for us. On no, media. I don't think they're gonna come for us. I just think that, you know, again. I'd, lo I'd love to, I'd love to know, uh, maybe you should get a casting director on. You should I'd talk like to, to the, maybe if you hook me up with Bonnie Timmerman. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, I don't think this is her jam. I, oh. I, but I could, I mean, I could hook you up with Marcy Learoff or, okay. uh, oh yeah, you should talk to, uh, casting directors that are that are really more active, uh, you know, consistently. Bonnie works, you know, for Michael Mann really only every couple okay. of years. Well, I just think it's like I get. Look again, the counterpoint would be you don't have to be a murderer play a murderer, and you don't have to as long as the actor is the you know the best actor. Uh, but again, I think the double standard is now. Obviously, I get it. We're trying to get trans actors to play trans parts, and that same argument circulated around that because they don't have as many opportunities. Yeah. So it's like you know if they had as many opportunities, then maybe the argument wouldn't be as intense or actors that are doing voices that should be people of color, you know, all that that's right. coming into the fore. That's about opportunity. Um, but this is kind of a different conversation of who's best to play the role, but we still want authenticity. The same thing with, I guess, a transit, you want authenticity. Same with a writer, you want authenticity. You're not gonna write about a world that's so foreign to you. So as much as I love Ruth Nega and I know she's done amazing stage work, it does feel like a weird choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure she's emotionally available and can do the character justice, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean. I feel like it's yeah. a distraction in a way. Yeah. It's like me being playing somebody ugly. It's too, dis it's, it's unfathomable and it's distracting. You know what yeah. I mean? I got to go in for the bombshell parts. Absolutely. All the I'm time. I'm just saying, Spencer. Um, you would not play a nebbishy Jew in the Lower East Side. In, you know, you wouldn't be doing that. I would love to get cast as it, though. I'd, I'd love to get cast okay, as it. Okay, well, there you go. Maybe we should shut up and go back on everything we just said. So there you go. You know what? You're right. Yeah. We should be able to play everything. Um, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, so what's uh, what's in the work? So your, your partner, Dana, Dana Bash, lives in D.C., correct? Okay. And you go back constantly? You're on planes constantly? Constantly. Every three weeks to Washington. Yeah. Is there a... Because a, long-distance relationships are a fucking nightmare. Um, and I know she has kids and she's there, right? So you moving there is a lot more feasible than her moving here. Yeah, she would, she would never, I mean, she shares custody with her son, so. Okay, would, so would you ever move, make that your base and only come out here for work? Especially now, uh, you can put yourself Potentially, on maybe I might, or, you know, eventually move back, back east. Uh, okay. You know, I might, I might move back to, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think I could work as an actor out of DC, but I would certainly move to New York and then, you know, it would be more of a uh, an Acela train relationship. Yeah, I like Acela. I, I love like it. Acela. I love I it. I love it. I mean, Amtrak's solid. It. I'm an Acela yeah. fan. I love it. I'd rather guess, I'd rather be I'd rather go on the train every few days than uh, jump well, on a plane. Of course. I mean, yeah. come on. But we what, make it work, um, though. It's fine. I guess at some point in your life, and I I feel this too. Like people that are you know they get married early on, and I'd never been married, and you haven't either. But the idea, or have you been men? I guess I assume nope. that you have. No. Okay. So people that are building a family there's a reason to live together and share everything but you get to a certain age and you're like there's something nice about the freedom where each person has their own space and then you enjoy yeah. space together but then you go back to your own world and it, it makes it sexier and more fun you don't have to deal with a domestic you know what i mean and and yeah. and have that routine for no reason yeah so you enjoy that i do actually i really do why not we give each other space 
Sure. You know, I mean, I was just there for two weeks. Before that, I was there for six weeks. Before yeah. that, I was there for like three weeks. I mean, I was traveling during this pandemic thing. And, you know, I was yeah. all masked up. and That's a lot. Face shield and gloves and all of that. And, uh, yeah, that's what we do for love, man. Yeah, uh, I know. Well, good for you that you're so dedicated. I got to tell you, um, you know. Listen, I, I ain't working. So everything is... You have uh, no excuse. <laughs> I got no excuse, you know. Beats, beats sitting around on my ass at home. I hear you. And what's going on with that quarantine um, TV thing you did? Is that the, the web series, the Zoom series? Yeah, that was great. We had we did 25 episodes of this That's little show on Instagram. Okay. Uh, 20, well, little six, seven, seven, eight minute episodes. Okay. Uh, but we had a blast and it, it kept us busy for a couple of months and people got a kick out of it. We had, you know, we, we had a very fun, loyal, you know, fan following. That's amazing. Uh, you know, 25 episodes. We got some great actors to do. We had uh, we had, you know, Randy Rainbow. Do you know who Randy Rainbow is? It sounds familiar. It sounds like a pedophile name. Randy Rainbow. What is that? <laughs> Randy Rainbow is an internet sensation on YouTube and Twitter. No he makes these videos. He does musical comedy videos where he takes Broadway show tunes and he rewrites the lyrics to the Broadway show tunes. Oh, I have seen one of his. I have and seen does, one of his. He does political yes. satire. Yes, yes, um, I did see one, yes. And, uh, and he's genius. He just got a second Emmy nomination for oh, his really? YouTube show. Uh, he's really, really brilliant. So I reached out to him on Twitter. We became friends on Twitter. And I asked him if he would be a guest on my show. So, uh, so he did it. Uh, Steven Weber, Rob Morrow, Willie Garson, Kate Walsh. We I had love some fun. These guys. I called up my friends. And I said, will you come in and do like a little bit, a little gag? And, uh, you know, nobody was working. Nobody had anything to do. So they came in and uh we got a kick out of it so now we're trying to sell it as a tv show that's great so, i did start yeah. watching um what is it the, the the hulu one um quarantine a love story or whatever it is where all these three real couples shot the themselves in their home but it's shot well it looks like a regular oh. tv oh, yeah. show yeah. um it didn't captivate me as much maybe because i'm not in the mood to watch quarantine related stuff i'm right. just like you know right. what i'm stuck in it yeah. I'd rather watch stuff on tropical islands and intercourse and, you know, or harken back to, again, even Yellowstone, which I didn't think was that stellar, but I still enjoyed it because it's landscapes and it's just back yeah. to n normal yeah. life. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be reminded right now. Um, you had me at intercourse. You, know? you had me at intercourse, any show. I mean, I'm sure quarantine porn is, is kicking up a notch on, on Pornhub. I haven't checked it this week yet. Uh, he... <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. I have a bit. You know, I discovered something new today. I discovered heirloom popcorn. Are you familiar with heirloom popcorn? No. So you buy it. You can get it on, on at Whole Foods. The kernels look different than regular popcorn kernels. They're smaller. They're different shaped. And they taste a little different. They come out smaller. They uh -huh. come out smaller and they're tasty and they're gentle. I don't know how to. Yeah, this one looks like a regular one. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I highly recommend. That's Gentle like popcorn. Heirloom, heirloom popcorn, like as it came from the queen or something, uh -huh. or your, your great aunt Gertie. And you say the, the, the kernels are gentle? They're gen they gentle, they look gentler, they look gentler. They're, they're, they're flat and oddly shaped. Okay. They're like mutants, you know what I mean? But they is it come more out expensive? I think it is, I mean, everything you buy at Whole Foods is more, you get a yeah. smaller bag and the packaging is all delightful. $9 for a tomato, I mean. Well, yeah, I haven't gone into, there's that chain here, Gelson's, that's highway fucking robbery. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, that's like $2 a, for a quarter of a peach. You know, I just go and they have those displays of the fruit. And this is pre-COVID. Now I don't do that. But I would just go in and eat the whole display. 
yeah. and I would just stand there and eat the whole display. You know what I mean? I'd literally but open really the Los little. Villas, you got a Gelson's uh, right there, right, right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't go to that one because that one's too hipstery. There's one in Silver Lake, right yeah. on uh, what is it across from Trader Joe's? I hate Trader Joe's. I mean, I like their products, but every time I go in there, I feel like the world is ending. It feels so claustrophobic to me. Even in New York, when I was living there, it's like it's the aisles are made for anorexic. You know what I mean? It would not survive in a regular middle America town. I mean, nobody yeah. overweight's getting through that. And their produce sucks. And I get, I like their, pro, you know, they're like, oh, you can buy curry, you know, Trader, whatever, Mahatma. Um, but I don't know. I, so I just order now from Prime Now. The good thing about Prime Now, Spencer Garrett, is that if you're not happy with an item you receive, you click on it and they refund you immediately. Is that Prime Now from uh, Whole Foods? From Amazon, which is Whole Foods, which is every, yeah. which is fresh, direct, yeah. right? They own, he owns the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, so if I don't like the red pepper that was delivered, because I order it delivered, then I click on it and it gives me a refund. Really? Yeah, now I don't abuse it. Maybe they track who abuses it. Like some people want to refund their whole order. I don't do that. If I really did get a banana that's not up to, you know, up to point or whatever uh -huh. the phrase is, then I get a refund. 69 cents back to me. Amazing, it's amazing. Great. You're, are you're, those you're, masks in the back there? What am I seeing in your background there? Are those masks? Those are masks. Those are some masks. I love it. I love little it. little mask collection. And I see your kitchen. Where are you again? Where's your apartment? Uh, I'm in Larchmont. Oh, I love Larchmont. So cute yeah. and Caucasian. A little bit. Um, That's my, uh, there's my, there's Peter O'Toole. Oh, look at that. My little. Uh, it's great. Where's the sofa from? Sofa is from. Uh, that sofa from that sofa is from Macy's of all oh, places. Wow! So yeah, furniture purchasing at that feels very '80s, like an '80s thing to do to buy your furniture at Macy's. I know. I bought it. Yeah, I bought it online when I moved into this place. <laughs> I like yours. Yours looks very looks. Very, I, I like my place like, too. It's what you it looks right. It looks like that sofa looks like it's right out of Mad Men. No, you know what though? It's uh, it looks a lot more expensive than it is. It's I got it on like I think Wayfair. You know, one of those oh, yeah. dirt those dirt cheap. Sites, it's, it wasn't dirt cheap, but it wasn't as expensive as it looks, and it's extremely uncomfortable. It's like a church bench. Oh. So I end up sitting on the floor. Can you tell that I buy yeah. the sofa and I use it as just a bat? I, I bought three things from Wayfair in the last year, and every time I buy them, I ended up, they end up either arriving broken. Yep. Or, and you call them up and say, I want to return this, and they go, oh, that's okay. You could just throw it away. <laughs> and they give you a refund. It's really? Fantastic. It's like Amazon. They, re they refund your money, and... I mean, I, I ordered a. I ordered <laughs> they just some know patio how crappy their shit is. <laughs> I ordered some patio furniture online. It looks great on the picture, and it came. It came in these three <laughs> enormous boxes that filled up my living room, and I got them all unpacked and everything. And it was like chipped and cracked. Oh. And I and I emailed the customer service, and they're like, "Yeah, just throw it in the dumpster. We'll refund you." Oh my gosh! I, I gotta do that, man. To do I gotta it. utilize it like I do with my banana returns. Yeah. The one time, the one time that I that I did that, and I'm not a big returner. I don't like to scam the system, but this is legitimate because it's more of a hassle to return something that arrives broken. Obviously, it's like, what are you going to pack it up again and go, you know, the post office? But I ordered a mattress, and it said, um, you know, satisfaction guaranteed, right, or, or 30 day return, whatever the the fuck it was. So I ordered. It was one of those memory foam, those big heavy memory foam ones that that expand yeah. when you take them out of the box. Yeah. So. I ordered it and it was terrible. It was, I was sweating bullets in this mattress, even in the colder, I would wake up in a puddle that was sunken into the, you know, the foam. And I said, I'd like to return. It was three days after I bought it. I go, I want to return this. And they go, um, okay, 
but we don't take return mattresses, so donate it and send us the receipt. And I'm like, okay. So I start calling Goodwill, Salvation Army. Nobody wants to come pick up this mattress. And I called them again, and I said, guys, this has become more of a hassle. You promised me money back guaranteed. Now I have to go through a nightmare to return it? So then they said, right. <laughs> and they said, give it to a friend. Give us your friend's name, and we'll call them to confirm that they got it. I was like, my God, what, what is this naivete? So wow. I was like, okay, I'm yeah. giving it to my friend Cindy. And I was like, it ended up being in my garage. I'm like, what am I going to schlep it to Cindy's? Right. Anyway, right. That, was, that was my mattress experience. I hope that was as interesting story as it sounded in my head, Spencer. It was pretty, pretty settling. Okay, okay. I love good. a good mattress story. It's, <laughs> I don't have any right now with this pandemic. It's just me and my vibrator. I have really no exciting mattress stories. Um, but it's okay. I feel like I'm getting more in touch with my Buddhist monk, inner, inner Buddhist monk, you uh -huh. know, when you don't I have- you get, And also getting in touch with your Tiger King. Tiger. Well, I've had this before Mr. whatever his name is came onto the scene. Joey he didn't Zodic. invent the mullet. Yeah. Um, is he still in jail, that guy? Oh, he's in jail. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a depressing show, too. But that's my people. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I, I was like, okay, there they are. That's America for you. Um, I love you, Spencer Garrett. I love you. You Ray are Lynn. so delightful. And, and thank you for sharing all your anecdotes with me. Um, and give my love to your, your partner in crime. Tell her I'm a fan. I will. Um, I don't, the, the bummer is I don't have TV. I don't have cable. And so I used to be able to watch CNN. They give you 10 minutes a day free. They don't yeah. do that anymore. Uh, on the website, they do. No, not anymore for me. Really? Yeah. You said you were you not authorized. Go to CNN.com CNN and watch and click on watch the live, live preview. I've done that. I did it every day for months. But about a month ago, when I click on live preview, it would say you are not authorized to view this. Contact your provider. Oh. So I guess they stopped it. Maybe they weren't getting enough. Maybe people were just getting their CNN fix in 10-minute snackable mm. bites. That's all right. You don't need, it's, it's, the news is too depressing. I anyway. just read the Times, and I'm hating the New York Times now. I, I'm really hating, beginning to hate the New York Times. I used to love them, and I just find more clickbait. It feels like clickbait to me now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They've kind of gone downhill, downhill too. It's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. It really is disappointing. I got to tell that whole Barry Wise thing and her resigning and, you know, and this uproar and, and that whole cancel call. It's, it's a debate. I mean, it's, it's, tr it's tricky. I got to tell you, I, I, I don't. I don't like one other. Yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get into that. That's a whole other bottle of wax. What is uh, Dana's next in big interview that I can tune into somehow? Or uh, she's doing uh, what's Dana? By the way, it's Dana speaking. Oh, I'm first, sorry. I'm sorry, it's, Dana. It's, Just it's, like the no, Israeli like scene. Dana. Dana like banana. Dana. Uh, she's doing. Uh, she's going to interview Kamala next week. Oh, so, exciting! Yeah. I like her. That was yeah. the smartest move ever. Yeah. He was a smart man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, will you let me know when that airs, and maybe I can. I will pirate my way into CNN somehow. Um, okay. So uh, people check get, out, do you have I, a website? I can never uh, send me the link when she does the interview and I can. Oh, that'll be great. It. Thank you. I won't forward it to anybody. Don't worry. I'll okay. keep it between us. Do you have a website? Is it spencergarrett.com? I don't. I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the Twitters and the, and the okay. Facebooks and the Instagrams. I'm on Twitter at, uh, at one number one, Spencer Garrett and on Instagram at Spencer Garrett one. Okay, that's good. Keep it non-consistent to confuse people. That's totally yeah. legitimate. I get it. Spencer Garrett 1, I love it. And I don't know who Spencer Garrett 2 is, but don't waste my time, Mr. 2. Exactly. Um, so check Spencer out on the Twitters and on the Instagrams, and I'll have you back. We'll do another IG Live. That was fun. I love um, it. Let's do it. Anytime. And if we're doing another little quarantine love story, let's let's do something together. Oh, oh now you're getting a call. See? Now See? I'm getting a call. Hey, hey, hey. Hang on. <laughs>
it? I'm so curious. I'm so curious to see who this is. I don't, it, it doesn't say. It's a robocall. Yeah. Uh, it's Trump asking for your vote. <laughs> um, all right, Spence. So when you get the request, I think if my recording doesn't work, I'll, I'll tap into yours. Okay, doll. Um, I love you, and I'll post this. Love it's going to go on in like a week. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay tuned for next week. This is Raylan Casper-White signing off. God bless. God bless.